I'm never going to apologize for winning. Breaks a tackle. Now another. He's inside the five. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. He is sacked. Down he goes. Tyler Hoover breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Spartan Red Zone with your hosts, Dan Tyler and Andre Sim. All right, what's going on, East Lansing? You listen to another episode of the Spartan Red Zone. Here, as always, with my guys, Dre Sims and Brad Allen. How are you guys doing today? Doing real good. Good? I'm good, too. I'm a little bit tired. Uh, I think that all three of us are pretty tired from a long weekend, but it's good to be back in East Lansing. Yeah, you know, definitely a long weekend going out to the East Coast. Uh, first time, first time that any of us got to travel out to see some of the some of the new competition in the Big Ten. And uh, Brad and I were out there covering it. Obviously, Dre was there playing. So before before Brad and I go into our kind of our take on the campus and all that stuff, which which you guys didn't really get to see, Dre, what did you think? You know about things you saw there in terms of environment the the field they got there, uh, equipment, all that stuff. What did you think of Maryland? First I think, take? I think Maryland's facilities were top notch. Um, the stadium was great. It was a uh, it was a good turnout for them. They had a blackout. Um, the student section was in the game for for the most part, but it was a it was a nice turnout for them. Um, the locker room is just like any other away locker room. It's kind of tight, small, and um, that's how any locker room is if you want to kind of get in the heads of your opponent. But um, as far as just like the, our first time being there, it was it was pretty nice, and um, to have them uh, kind of make our game and hype our game up to what it was, and them going all black and making it a re- the real highlight of their season, it was it was it was a good it was a good turnout for them and a good experience for us to you know start start this kind of game between uh, Michigan State and Maryland off for the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and you're gonna have that once you guys reach the level of where your program is right now. You know, once you go to opposing stadiums, they're going to get pretty hyped for it, especially when it's the first time. I think I read somewhere the first time that Michigan State has played at Maryland since 1944. So that was like World War II, man. That's a long yeah. time. And, yeah, that was uh, their second sellout of the season. The other one was Ohio State. And I guess they had more fans at this game than they did in the Ohio State game. So they really came out and – the environment, you know, during game day, I'm sure you guys didn't really get to see it, Dre, because you guys are busy during mm-hmm. game day. But Brad and I were out and about. And it was pretty electric. There was a lot of people. Um, everyone was pretty hyped for the game. But they didn't really know about the game is it, something we noticed. Uh, maybe they're just new to the Big Ten and stuff. But I'm sure, Brad, you can comment on this. A lot of I, I don't know. Just a lot yeah. of seemingly like un- uneducated fans. Yeah, I guess. I think it. I think we're just used to something different here at Michigan State. At Michigan State, it's you know historically a football institution, and the students and the people on campus, they you know whether or not they go to Michigan State, if they're Michigan State fans, they know what's going on. Game day, they're used to it. It didn't seem like Maryland was used to having big football games like this no. uh, at all. And there's a lot of neighboring schools, Villanova. Delaware, University Loyola, Maryland, uh, all these other schools. And it's so funny. You'll see, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks on this video we shot of tailgates, a lot of these students who are real fired up about the game and 
were not they they would just be like oh i don't go to maryland i go to villanova or i go to delaware but um my friend goes to maryland or or whatever so it was really uh really strange not not a lot of uh cohesion as far as logistically and maybe that was just us because we were like trying to work and trying to figure stuff out but it seems like everybody we asked even people that looked like they were working like oh yeah kind of you know i don't know maybe uh maybe go this way like uh we were trying to find where the hot spots on campus were and a lot of them didn't know that and i think it just might have been because they weren't all maryland students it was really bizarre yeah bizarre is a good way to put it it if it seems like you know, we went there to to shoot some video, shoot some fun video, see you know drunk people tailgating and stuff, and ask some questions about the game. And uh, I feel like it's got to be a solid like eighty five percent of the people we talked to, we'd be like, "All right, where's the cool place to tailgate here in Maryland? Like, what makes Maryland like sweet with tailgating?" They're like, "Oh, we don't go here." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, sick yeah. answer. A lot of Michigan State fans too. So with. Uh, I would say of uh, the school, or at least for the section that we talked to, the sample that I have in my head was uh, Michigan State was the most commonly attended institution, either present or alum, by the fans of that game, especially toward the end. We were down on the field. Uh, and, Dre, you can probably talk about this. Uh, singing the fight song, cheering go green, go right, all that stuff. It seemed like Michigan State uh, really took over the the Capital One field at the end of that game. Yeah, they sh- they showed out. I can see, like, uh, half the stands was green and white, and you can kind of hear the chants a little louder than what the Maryland chants were. Uh, the go green, go white chant, we heard that. And our fans really showed up, um, surprisingly. It was a lot. It was a lot of green and white in the stands, and that, that kind of helped us a lot, too, being in a new environment. Um, it really did help us a lot just to have the support from the fans in this game. Yeah, I think Go Terps was their thing. Like, go. One side would yell go. The other side would yell Terps. And uh, between that and the we must protect this house on every third down and like, <sighs> the DJ up in the booth, the whatever, playing the music, it seemed uh, different from Spartan Stadium. I'll say that. I, I will give props to the Maryland fans because they were getting hype uh, even when there was uh, only half of the stands filled for a lot of that game. Uh, they were still getting hype, and it was uh, it was definitely a fun experience. But I think Dan and I kind of wore ourselves out uh, during Saturday uh, trying to get some footage of the campus and, and do that video feature that by the time the game started with all the confusion of getting into the stadium, uh, where do we sit, um, where do we enter the stadium, <laughs> especially after, like, where, where are the good tailgates and things like that. Um, I was exhausted. It was uh, it was tough, but it was a long a, day. Yeah, it was a long day. Man, I'm glad that uh, you guys are playing at noon on Saturday. Who are you telling? I mean, <laughs> we, me and Dan, were just talking about this. I don't remember the last time we played a noon game this season. It's, we've been we've been three o'clock and eight o'clock for the past couple of weeks, and it's just a noon game. Is just it just everything moves a lot faster. I don't want to say we get the game out of the way, but it's a lot earlier and. You don't carry on the day. You just you get tired, and you know twelve twelve noon is is a good time to play a football game. Yeah, you get to, we get to do something afterward. Like, we, yeah, we'll be there probably late, maybe till like five o'clock or so. But hey, we get to we get to 
enjoy our evening afterward and just relax. And, yeah. and then you got 3.30 in Happy Valley for the last game of the season. They just announced that earlier today. Okay. So no more night games for you guys uh, until maybe your bowl game. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I got to agree with both of you guys. I'm excited for it. You know, 8 o'clock games because, you know, usually I can hang out during the day. But this last one, like Brad said, we were out talking to a bunch of Loyola, Maryland, and Delaware students asking them about Maryland's campus. And then, you know, you don't leave the stadium until about 2, and it's cold. You got to try to find your car. It was just exhausting. But this time, noon game, get to go to the game, you know, watch you guys do your thing as usual, write about it, 5 o'clock, get out, take a little power nap, eat some food, and bang, it's like 8 o'clock, I'm ready to go out, do whatever I want. It's money. But, you know, that's just my personal life. You guys don't want to hear about that. Talking about the game, a little bit of a slow start for you guys, offensively at least. Um, the the drives would get going and then they would kind of falter, get into the red, uh, get into the red zone. Yeah, but, you know, a, a good thing that came from that, though, is kicker Michael Geiger started to get, get his groove back a little bit, hopefully, uh, making his first three field goals. He missed his fourth, but that was a 47-yarder, I believe, and it was like a foot short, um, right, you know, right down the middle. So his accuracy was there, just a little, a little short on the power that can be fixed. Um, then you know, going into the second half again, things started moving a little bit slowly until just the kind of classic pound green pound type mentality came out. The running game really wore him down. All of a sudden, some runs from Langford and a couple from Hill that in the first half were going for, you know, like two, three yards. They were breaking out 10, 12-yard gains and kind of looked like, kind of looked a little bit more like your guys' offense from the end of last season, just really wearing them down in the trenches and getting some holes for Langford to run through. Uh, was Was there any kind of different game plan going into this game offensively not really no we had the same game plan we've had the whole year I think just like I talked about earlier um in the year for an offense you have to have that rhythm and coming off of a loss to Ohio State of course the offense the rhythm was uh, it was kind of it was kind of shaky a little bit and you know the elements play a big factor in that the ball is harder it's slippery. It's kind of hard to catch. It's kind of hard to throw. So the passing game wasn't all the way there. We made plays when we when we needed to, when we had to step up and make plays on third down. But as far as um, our motto, pound green pound, it really it really took flight this game more than it did any other game. Um, I say due to the elements, it was so cold, um, couldn't really grip the ball. Your fingers were frozen. Connor had a, had trouble throwing it because the ball was so so hard and slippery. So. You know, it's nothing to just turn around and give it to a couple good backs and let them bust it out for, for you know, uh, good chunks of yardage. But I don't think our game plan has changed at all. We we didn't do anything different. We um, Offense was the same, maybe a couple minor adjustments to a couple plays. But the game plan, the game plan never changes. We kind of we put the run in the pass uh, 50-50 a little bit. We throw a little bit of both in there. And uh, whatever gets hot first is kind of what we go off of for the rest of the game. So I wouldn't say that the offensive, the offensive strategy changed at all. Now it's it's pretty uh, impressive, I would say. You know, you saying that 
offense struggled to get things going a little bit in the last couple games. And in both those games, you guys put up 37 points on the board. So that's not, you know, a Michigan State offense a couple of years ago, maybe them struggling to get things together. They're putting, you know, 14 on the board or something like that. It's not 37. That's how you can see this team has really taken leaps and bounds in the last, you know, half decade, pretty much, you could say. And another thing, like you said, you guys try to mix the run and pass a lot. Just another almost identical game in terms of offensive yardage. 240 yards in the air, 242 on the ground. Again, like almost as balanced as you can get. Uh, pretty pretty impressive numbers. That's not the first game that's happened. It's, it's almost on a game basis, game by game basis now, that you guys have almost identical yards through the air and on the ground, which it's tough to stop, man. Yeah, and it's it's crazy to think of, you know, when you look at 2012, even 2013, the, the change in offense. This might have been the, you know, the game where Michigan State comes comes back after pretty much having all the air taken out of them in that Ohio State game because so much on the line. You know, they played a great game offensively, and you know, it just came up a little bit short against Ohio State, and then to come back at Maryland and and really struggle offensively, it kind of just shows that this Michigan State offense is human. Uh, this is the first time Connor Cook wasn't able to find the end zone in you know almost twenty games or something crazy like that. And you know Tony Lippett was was pretty quiet. And in all previous games, these guys have just been on fire. I think I can't even remember a game where Michigan State didn't score a touchdown on the first drive or have any big play on the first drive. And you know. They still were able to get it done on the ground. Michael Geiger comes in and, and gets 12 key points for the team, and Jeremy Lankford carried the load. And, and then really what did it for uh, for this game was, was the defense. Um, pretty much dominant the whole game. Uh, Maryland snuck in a couple big plays and got some touchdowns, and one touchdown late in the game ended like a two-point conversion. But besides that, uh, the defense dominated, and um, you know Michigan State looked – like Michigan State, I would say they got the win, and now they're two games left, and they're looking at a chance at another uh, double-digit win season under Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, and um, Dre, question for you: You know, looking at the defense from a couple weeks ago against Ohio State, really didn't look like a Michigan State defense. You know, they struggled in a lot of areas, but everyone was preaching in the week after that, going into this Maryland game. You know, like. Life goes on. You got to move forward. You just got to focus on the next next task at hand, and you can't you can't be looking in your rear view. And you know, I was a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie um, with the defense after their their game against OSU, but I feel a lot better now. Um, you know, obviously the the rush defense they're giving up six yards, which is incredible. Um, Past defense, they had three picks, including one pick six, R.J. Williamson taking it to the crib. And they just played a remarkable game. You know, they did everything they needed to do. And then you guys on the offensive end put up the points that was necessary. So, you know, classic Michigan State win. But, you know, what did you see out of the defense this past week in practice? Did you see anything anything different? You know, any a little extra fire for them to come out and prove that, hey, we still are an elite defense coming off of that Ohio State loss? Yeah, I feel like they were more aggressive this week. Um, I feel like they had something to prove. I feel like they had a lot of making up to do. Um, 
we 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 don't we don't really pay attention to what people say outside of the the uh, of the room that we're in as far as this team is concerned. So the defense knew what they had to do. They knew um, what they had to work on for this upcoming game. Uh, they executed in practice, um, and for the most part, it was an it was an aggressive attitude. The play calling was aggressive. The mindset of the players, um, Kurt um, stepping up in the meeting and saying, "Defense, look, we need to get it together. This is not who we are. That's not how we play as a defense. Uh, the Spartan defense. That's not how we play." Um, just stepping up and being a leader and letting everybody know that um, we need to come back and rebound from this game. Like you said, the offense is human and defense is human too. We all make mistakes, but at the same time, I think Kurt and uh, the rest of the leaders, Taiwan, Trey, kind of stepped up and brought the defense together and said, look, y'all, we're we're better than that, and we know we're better than that, and this game really needs to be that we we're back, you know, like we yeah you know, we we slip up, but we going we coming we coming to uh to redeem ourselves type of game, and that's how they that's how they went about it. And they did real good, even when the offense wasn't moving the ball well, we put them in bad situations where they had to get back on the field. Um, they do what they always do. They they stop. They get a third down stop. Have them punt the ball back to us, and we kind of you know work work the clock then, but. They was doing their job at the end of the day, and uh, that's all you can ask for. That's why they're probably one of the top defenses in the nation. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, just looking at it from a whole team perspective, you said that, you know, you guys try not to really pay attention to what's going on outside of the locker room and stuff like that. But, you know, it can't be easy trying to keep yourselves collected and just keep, like, focusing on the path ahead. So how how hard was it as a team, and what did you guys do as a team to kind of just push everything else aside, everything people are saying, you know, and especially with Michigan State fans and students, pretty outspoken bunch. Uh, a lot of people, at least people I know, like to jump to conclusions and stuff and and take one loss as the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so so how did you guys as, as a whole unit, you know, an entire team, kind of just tune all of that out, and focus up on Maryland. Really, it's um, how Coach D kind of describes it as, uh, you know, life is a an up and down slope. It's like a mountain. You climb one one hill, and there's other hills to climb after that. There's always an up to a hill, and there's always a down. You can't always be going up. You know, there's always a down. You have to come to to a point in your life where you have a down. And as a, as a team, we're um, you know we're we're coming together, we're gelling, and we're becoming men. Um, as we grow each and every game, and you learn from your mistakes, um, you take heed to what you the things you did right and the things you did wrong. But at the same time, it's like people outside of the room don't know what it's like to go through the things that we go through as far as the team and the things that we do early mornings, the late nights, and just the so much that goes into college football. So. When I say that we don't really pay attention to the to what the people say outside of the room, it's really basically saying that they they don't have a clue of what's really going on behind the doors, behind the closed doors, you know? So it's just like we have to stay together as a team and realize that it's the the people in the room are the most important. So as long as we keep each other up, um the coaches, the coaching staff, the players, um everybody in that room, as long as we can stay together and uh, be positive and 
do the things that we we got to do to you know stay on track and move forward then everything will be all right and i mean of course it's going to be outside influence you know people are you watch espn it's all over the news you know what i'm saying you can't you can't really get rid of it and that's i mean that's a part of life some things you just can't get rid of but at the end of the day it's all about you know growing up and being a man you have to realize that yeah that happened but you know i got to take steps forward to progress in life and that's what coach d preaches to us a lot so the main emphasis on that is it's just the people in this room that make, you know, the wheels spin for this Spartan program, you know. So yeah, we, we, we hear what we hear what people say outside the room, but we really don't we don't pay too much attention to it. I'm a I'm a jump kind of on what you're saying there a little bit, because I completely agree. Um, you know, people that are outside of the locker room don't know exactly what's going on inside the locker room. And you know, you can read articles those articles are being written by, you know, people like Brad and I that know a little bit of what's going on inside the locker room, not everything. And uh, I got to just, you know, call out one of my least favorite sports journalists, as always, uh, Mr. Drew Sharp from the Detroit Free Press. Dude, just, oh, man. He's I'm your not, boy. He's your buddy. Yeah, my homie, dude, Drew Sharp. You know, there's so like I said, people like Brad and I and other people, Joe Rexroad, Graham Couch, Dan Kilbridge that that follow your guys' season and, and they you know they ask questions. They're there at pressers, they're there at practices, and they know a little bit of what's going on. And like you said, they're never gonna know exactly what's going on. So their comments, their articles, what they talk about on podcasts, radio shows, is only shining a little bit of light of what is really a bigger picture but by far the most opinionated out of all of those and the biggest asshole i gotta say it is drew sharp and the dude is not at the stuff he is not there even to get the small picture of the bigger picture you know you see him at the pressers and he's walking in late as hell he's coming in like pretty much when d'antonio is done talking uh you see him at the game sometimes he sits like a few seats down from brad and i Dude's talking to people and barely even paying attention to the game. And then he's the dude who's got the audacity to be talking the most shit. And I'm sorry that I'm cussing this much, but he just, he makes me angry, dude. He talks the most crap and, you know, doing things like ranking Michigan State 22 in his AP poll, which is just, this does not make any sense. And I was talking about it with some people the other day. And if I have the opportunity to, which I'm going to seek out and try to find, I would love to go toe-to-toe with him and debate that because I know he's got no damn backup for that because it does not make any sense. And any day out of the week, my non-payroll self will take on whatever kind of money he gets paid from the free press any day out of the week, any hour, anywhere that he wants. I will debate that with him whenever because it just is stupid and all he likes to do is just rag on michigan and michigan state and it's people like that that really oh they're the worst at that but it's good that you guys can put all that out (laughs) tune it out i can't but you know that's why you don't see me suiting up in in the pads on saturday evenings or nights you know yeah i mean it just bothers me it's and i think a lot of journalists and a lot of People who follow Michigan State would share the same views about uh, 
our good friend Drew Sharp. And if Drew Sharp were listening to this podcast, which I'm sure he does, uh, <laughs> I'm he would probably, Dan, be so happy to hear he your be. response because I think that's exactly what he's trying to do. And uh, it's just the way of the land. And as far as on the national stage, whether it be ESPN, uh, whatever, talking about Big Ten, talking about Michigan State, any, I think any publicity is good publicity to some extent for, for the Michigan State football team, you know. And, Dre, you were talking about D'Antonio's take on the whole thing and his take on just everything in general, and that's something that I really admire him for. Um, he has stuck with this philosophy that whatever happens, you know, we'll learn from it, and that's in football and in life. I think Mark D'Antonio is preparing you guys to be – um, ready for life outside of football or in football. And, you know, both after that uh, Ohio State loss, he at the press conference was like, yeah, you know, um, we lost and it's not the end of the world. Uh, certainly we don't want to lose, but that's what happened in life. And to get really meta and to get really uh, philosophical and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Football, college football in general is not that important, and I say that as a, the biggest college football fan ever. Um, so all the all the noise, all the stuff out coming from whether it be Drew Sharp or Kirk Herbstreet or or Dan Tyler, it's <laughs> it's it's fun and it's uh, something that brings a lot of joy to a lot of people and a lot of joy to a lot of people in the, the East Lansing area and Michigan State students and alum. Um, but yeah. What eight eight and two? That's pretty good. Uh, are they? Are you guys the number one team in the nation? Probably not. Are you guys the number twenty two team in the nation? I think you're better than that. But hey, man, probably the most fun uh, Michigan State team to watch that I can remember. And uh, you know, my short time on this earth watching Michigan State football. So yeah, I, I like to stay out of the. The debate, um, I saved that for Fino in the pact, but uh, <laughs> Fino should get Drew Sharp on the pact. That would be that would be a good a good episode embracing the Spartan debate. I would be here debate. so fast, though. I would run here from my house so fast in these jeans, dude. But anyways, you know that was my little rant. And again, apologize for the the cussing, but I guess it's a podcast, so I can say that if I really want to. We're not governed by the FCC. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm just gonna leave it there. But you know, one last thing, Dre, and in, in talking to some of the guys in, in the, uh, I guess you can call it Maryland's media room. It's kind of like a, sh- like a glorified <laughs> shed. I don't know. It's just really small. Better than Purdue's, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people were asking questions about what the what the mood of the team is, and D'Antonio said it first. You know, he said, "Hey, the mood of the team is good." You know, we. Took a business approach to this game. We got the W. That's what we wanted to do. Now we're moving on to Rutgers. And you know, I remember talking to people like uh, Jack Conklin. He said, "Hey, you know, we're eight and two right now. Like you said, Brad, um, we got a solid opportunity to go ten and two and make it to a really good bowl game. And you know, at the moment, we're we're a top ten team. You know, what what you guys are, you're a top ten team, and that you that's a reason to be in a good mood. So is that is that the fact? Is is the mood in the locker room good right now? Yeah, we yeah, uh it's good. I won't I won't say anything on that tip about it, but coach D uh before the game gave everybody like a little chip, like a 
like one of those ships you see at a casino with the Spartan head on it. And he and he has something every week. It's just something new. But um, he gave us a chip and told us to hold on to it because you always have to have that chip on your shoulder. You know, it's corny. It's a little chip. You know what I'm saying? Like a money chip or whatever. I don't play in casinos or whatever, but it's a little chip. We know what it symbolizes, but the fact that, you know, each week he spices it up and puts it in a different perspective and lets us know that we have to come together as a team and have that chip on our shoulder or put the nail in the coffin or, you know, he'll say eat the frog, whatever that means. But (laughs) at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, we have something from Coach D to kind of like move forward, like – we have something to look forward to, um, which is the chemistry that we have together and the bond that we've made throughout this whole season to keep us moving forward. So Coach D does a good job in letting us know that this is a game. It's it's important, but at the same time, you know, we have to have fun and be loose and let the line out of the cage and, you know, just 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 be mentally, be mentally strong because this game will – and can affect people mentally as far as players and coaches. And we don't want anybody on the team to be mentally affected by that because that affects play. So Coach D kind of tries to mellow it out, have everybody on like a relaxed kind of kind of vibe and just lets us know that, yes, yeah, a game, you're supposed to have fun. We, we're on a business trip, but at the end of the day, you just got to have that mindset where you're just mentally strong and you know the importance of um, of what's really going on. So – I mean, as a team, we know that we're eight and two and have a, a good chance to go to a uh he calls it a super six bowl. I don't know what it's called, but you know, the, the top bowls after the playoffs. So if you're in the top ten, you either can go to the, the Peach Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, or the Orange Bowl, mm-hmm. which are the four big ones. So I think it's other other yeah. ones too, but you know what that's those are our goals right now. To be ten and two and get a chance to either go down to Miami or head to Arizona again. So, you know, the vibe in the locker room is mellow. Everybody's happy, but we're on edge at the same time. Every game you have to have an edge. We, you, you know, you can't just go the whole week and just be mellow. You got to have an edge at some point. So that's what Coach D preaches to us, and we just keep that in the back of our our heads. So, so Coach D has like a symbol for every game for everything. I what's, think what's like the funniest or like weirdest one. Eat the frog. Eat the frog. What does that mean? Don't know. To this day, I don't know. He <laughs> always says that, and everybody's like, what does that mean? We don't know what it means. Eat the frog. I guess it means just get it done. I guess. I don't know. Eat the frog. Yeah, Have you heard that, Brad? Yeah, I don't know. We should put that on a t-shirt or something. Though. Eat the Eat frog. Eat the frog. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe like when you're nervous, you got like a frog in your throat. I've been meaning oh, to look that yeah, up because yeah. I really don't. I have no clue of what that means. And he says it all the time. He'll just, you know, out of nowhere. Hey, guys. Eat the frog. All right, coach. Sounds okay. like something Joe Rogan would say on Fear Factor. Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> Eat the frog. Eat the frog. <laughs> all right. Well, we're running out of time here, folks. Uh, another good episode of the Spartan Red Zone with the homies, Dre and Brad. Uh, signing off now, so take it easy, East Lansing. With every step we take, Kyoto to the base, strolling so casually. We're different and the same. Gave you another name. Switch up the batteries. If you gave me a chance, I would take it. It's a shot in the dark, but I'll make it.